This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, good morning, church. How y'all doing? Woo! I like it. All right, well, let's stand up. We will recite together the Apostles' Creed after that. Woo! I think that's how early church did it, actually. Please all join us in a woo. Woo! All right. Yeah, all right. I'm going to make that liturgy. Okay. <laughs> let's recite the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, at this point in our service, we'd like to pause and... Uh, Give everyone a chance to give uh, in tithes and offerings this morning. Um, now, if you are giving cash or check, uh, we're not handing out any offering baskets, but uh, you can use the little en envelopes in your seats, backs, and fill that out, and then you can hand that out as you head on out the doors uh, this morning. Otherwise, we encourage uh, people to give digitally, which you can do on your phone, computer, whatever, at, uh, you can go to celebrationchurch.tv forward slash give. And then as you saw this morning, just a reminder, it is Mission Sunday, so we encourage you to also uh, help support the missions that goes to you know, like Animate Islands like we saw there and all, all these other places. And uh, you can do that online as well. You just choose the correct uh, giving category under missions, and then we'll make sure that that gets to them and blesses them. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys made it, made the big storms, made it through. Yeah. Anyone wake up because of the crazy storms? Yeah. I did as well. I was really tired this morning. I don't know if it was the clouds or whatever, but I felt like I needed like extra coffee. Um, now, what's interesting with the thunderstorms is when I went to bed, there was two people in our bed. And just throughout the night, it kept seeming like there was more and more. Uh, there was a dog that joined us at some point. Uh, and then uh, my daughter was in there when I left <laughs> at some point. So <laughs> thunderstorms, just, they just feel really called to join mom in bed. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we made it through. And this morning, I'm going to be sort of picking up off of what I was talking about last week. And we're going to be taking a look at this uh, miracle where Jesus fed the 5,000. I think I may have skipped ahead in my sermon last week and mentioned this. Um, 
But we want to take a closer look at this miracle and see what we can learn from it. Um, the uh, little piece of trivia here for you is this is the only miracle, uh, minus except for the resurrection of Jesus, it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I was actually shocked to see that you know, it wasn't something like Jesus walking on water, because uh, that was a big deal. And in the first service, I tried to make some joke about how the Olympics were going on in those days, and if Jesus joined the Olympic team. It didn't go over well, and so I'm not going <laughs> to even attempt that. You know, I'm going to Simone Biles and just back off. I'm not mentally prepared for that uh, exercise right now. Uh, I, I did not stick the landing. Let's just say that, all right? <laughs> uh, you can go back and watch that awful joke if you want to. Uh, premise is really good. I feel like there's something there. Maybe you guys can workshop that, send some ideas to me. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to the uh, scriptures here, Phil, and uh, escape that bad joke that you tried to uh, do the first service. All right. John chapter six, verse one. We want to pick up here. We're going to take a look at this miracle. It says this. It says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shores of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, now, you'll see this throughout the Gospels. Um, you'll actually see this at the end of this miracle as well, where Jesus, he's called to the people. He loves people. He loves us. He came to do ministry and help us. But there's always times where you notice he's always trying to get away. And then he, he'll do something, he tries to get away, try to just get him and the disciples. And there's something we can learn from that. And that one is don't burn yourself out, uh, even if you're doing good, right? Uh, we all are called to do ministry and get involved and to love others and to be a part of the work of the church, but not to the point of just running yourself ragged. Um, so Jesus was always trying to get away and find time to pray with himself. And it's really the same thing that our, our senior pastor, Pastor Mark, is doing today. Um, this week, that's why he's not here. He jumped in a boat, and instead of crossing the Sea of Galilee, he crossed the Bay of Green Bay. And he's <laughs> floating around on his boat somewhere uh, in the SS Minnow somewhere. I don't know what's going. Anyone get that joke? That's like an old guy joke. That's like older than me, and somehow I know that. Reruns, clearly. Uh, Gilligan's Island. All right. So, man, I'm coming up with some good. I'm like, dad jokes are like my thing. I'm enjoying it. Okay. It's just, <laughs> that's my spiritual gifting. You know, last week I talked about gifts. I think that I'm just trying to give the little that I have to Jesus. That's what we're going to look at today. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's so lame. Okay. Uh, verse two, uh, after he, he said he got away and then he went to the other side. And then verse two, it says, and then a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So again, he'd heal the sick and then he'd kind of get away. Of course, they were just like, holy cow, let's follow this guy. So he went up on the mountain, says in verse three, and then he sat down with his disciples and the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip. Now, I think I may have mentioned this before, but this is actually the Philip, this is what I, who I'm named after. Uh, and you'll notice he has one L there. My name has two L's, and that's because my dad is not good at spelling. Um, as I asked him once, why'd you name me Philip? I named you after Philip of the Bible, but it has one L. He goes, I guess you're a typo. So <laughs> that's always a reminder every time I read that. But now what's, what's interesting here, uh, a couple of things. First off, if I was just hanging out with some people and we're on the side of a mountain, just have a little camp out and 
Thousands of people came towards me. The first thing I would not think of like is, you know, the question he's gonna ask here is he's gonna ask, how do we feed these people? Um, but again, Jesus, even though he's getting away, it shows his heart. He really does love. He's thinking, how do we care for these? Now, what's interesting about this, uh, I thought, is that he, he talks to Philip. And I was kind of looked into that. Why is he talking to Philip? You know, it's, he's one of the guys you don't hear about a lot up to this point. And, you know, he's not a part of the inner circle. You know, he's not Peter, James, and John. He's not an accountant like Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, so he'd have been able to sit and calculate quickly, you know, uh, how to pay for all of these people coming in. He didn't hit Judas, who was, Judas was actually, he was the treasurer, you know, check to see, hey, do we have money? How much money do we have? Can we make that work? He doesn't take this time to teach doubting Thomas a lesson of faith, but instead he talks to Philip and he asks Philip. And if you read in, and, and actually I think you can find out later in John, uh, John talks about how Philip is from Bethsaida, which is where they happen to be right now on this Eastern shore so this is Philip's hometown. And whereas the majority of the disciples were from the western side of Galilee, and uh, so he would have been the local expert there, all right? And so, you know, something you can learn from this is that God places people in the right place for the right time. And Philip was the right guy at the time. He's from the area, right? He knows where all the great restaurants are. He's, he's basically Google for Jesus at that point of like, find restaurants. How do we feed people? How do we do this? And you got to remember, God is still at work. Just as much as he was when he placed Philip in that position, he's placed you in the position you are in right now. And he always makes sure that the right people are in the right place at the right time, which means you are not in this church, living in your neighborhood, in that job by accident but you are a part of God's plan to see the kingdom of God advance. And so often we miss this because we think that, well, we're on a journey. Once I get to here, I'll be able to do this. Once, once I get to this point in my life, then I'll be able to do such and such. And I'm not ready right now. And if you do that, you're going to just completely miss things God's putting in your path. You're gonna miss the fact that wherever you are at that moment, you're there on purpose and he knew it before you were ever there. So don't think he can't use you yet or this or that or I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm too... No, don't think like that. He has got you in the right place at the right time right now. So you can feel good in that. And he can use us the same way that he used these disciples. Now, you know, when you... It's easy for us to take and look at, you know, these guys in the Bible and put them up in this big pedestal because, you know, we've seen the way that God has used them and the miracles they have done. But, you know, when... When Jesus calls them, they're nothing. They were not guys where if you were going to start a ministry or to plant a church, these are not the guys that you would go and seek out to be a part of your ministry. They didn't have any training. They didn't have any experience. They were just guys just doing whatever. And sometimes we think, well, God can't use me. I'm no one. I'm not enough of this or enough of that. But if, if we do that, and, and too, and if we take these guys in the Bible and we think, well, they're so holy, we actually are kind of robbing, us, I think, something God's trying to teach us here where he's showing us that he can use anyone. I think he picked these guys who were kind of, you know, little band of losers, <laughs> if you were just to put them together. And he did that on purpose to show, look what I can do with these guys. Because all these guys, they all had families, they all had regular jobs, they all had their own fear, their doubt, their unbeliefs. 
And they failed more than they succeeded during Christ's time on earth. We can read about that over and over again. And yet God used them anyway, right where they were, despite their issues, despite their lack of faith, despite their desires of fame and personal ambition, God used them. And if God can use these guys, it should encourage you and I that surely he can use us where we're at with all of our faults, all right? So don't make excuses for not getting in and serving God because we're all a part of God's plan. Now, picking up here in verse five, it says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Now, do you think Jesus really had no solution to this problem? That he really has no idea what to do? No, of course not. He knew exactly what he was gonna do. He's just testing these guys is what he's doing. Because see, Jesus always has an answer for your problem even before you know you have a problem. Amen? He saw that coming. He knew what was going on. He's not shocked. He's not surprised. And you know, when all these people coming in, oh my goodness, you know. Dios mío, no puede ser. Creo que no. Those are the only parts of that Spanish that I learned were all the exclamations and I use them as much as I can. I don't think they were speaking much Spanish uh, back then in this area, but you can imagine. It did not throw him. So he saw it coming, and he still asked the question, but where, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? And why did he ask that question? Because in every miracle, there's a lesson to be learned. There's a lesson for all of us to learn. And here he is with his disciples. He's still teaching. He's with these guys for a short period of time, and he's trying to teach them and show them things. He wants to show them how the kingdom of God works differently to just how things on earth here work and trying to get them to see things a little differently. He's gonna show them how he can take a little and make a lot. And then we, we know he's testing them because the next verse clearly says he asked this only to test him. <laughs> he was just setting him up. He, it says, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, you ever been teaching someone something and you, or maybe growing up, I remember teachers doing this, right? They'll ask a question that nobody knows just to teach them something, you know? And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, of how this year we added a new driver uh, to our house. And uh, back in uh, February, he started driving. He got his license in January. Uh, I think maybe it was a mistake by my wife. I'm not sure. But I know she was online and I thought she was just like checking stuff out. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, he has his license now. Because you don't have to take your test. Or you didn't have to then. You just go online and do the thing, you know, because of all the reasons anything's the way it is these days because of COVID. So apparently, you know, you didn't have to do the test. So he got his license before he wasn't even ready. He was like, I can't drive. Uh, so, I know, we're just working on it here. But he legally could. I think we had a sign off saying that we're liable for him or something like that, right? I don't know. I might be getting this story wrong, but I think it's funnier when I tell it than if she told it. So, so anyway, so, they, so now we have to teach him how to drive. Now, you know when a, a new driver is driving, all their focus is on just not crashing. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Going straight and not hitting anything. It's just pretty much those two things. And so when they're going, when they first start, if we don't tell them when to turn, when to change a lane, they would stay on that road until they ran out of gas, Right? because they're just not aware of everything. So once he started getting more comfortable with that, I started throwing out little questions like that, like, hey, so what was the, you know, because I'd walk through, we're gonna go here, then we're gonna take this exit. Okay, okay. 
And we'd be coming along and I see the exit coming. He's not changing lanes. He's in the left-hand lane. He's just going. And so I just ask a little question like that of like, so what, what was the exit we were gonna use again? Obviously I know. <laughs> uh, one, oh my goodness, you know, and he sees it like flying past. I'm like, that's okay. So here's what we do, you know, and you gotta get over us. And so trying to teach him how to be a little more aware, trying to get him to see things a little differently, you know, and get past the point of just, I get it, you're not crashing into anything in front of you, good job, but you still have to get somewhere. So you have to see how that works. And this is what Jesus is doing here with Philip, and he's gonna teach these disciples a lesson. He's asking them this question because he wants to show them how you can think a little differently. Don't look at this and look at things the way you're used to viewing them. The kingdom of God works a little differently. So um, it says here in uh, verse seven that Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So it would take half a year's wages just to buy bread just so everyone could take one little pass it down. Which that's, I mean, that's no fun. You ever been to one of those potlucks before? Or something where you're like the first one in line and you're not quite sure how much you should take and you start taking, can I get a burger and a brat? And then this person's like, whoa, 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 we don't have enough for everyone. You're like, eh. That's kind of, this was even worse. It's like, here's a piece of bread, can I take a slice, just take a bite and then move on. Uh, so in other words, Philip's, what he's doing is he's just being pre- very practical with Jesus here. He's like, this is, there's no way that this can happen, is basically what he's saying. And to be honest with you, I would probably do the same thing that he's doing. <laughs> I would look at the situation very practically at first. And, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that because there are times when we run into problems, the first thing I think we should do is think practically and use wisdom. I think practical thinking is an, a lost art form. <laughs> Something we don't do anymore. It's just sit and think and use common sense. And we see this in people's lives. I know there's probably people out there, you're thinking, you know what I need right now? I need a financial miracle in my life. Well, you just pray for me. I need a financial miracle. Well, Maybe what you need is you need to learn to budget. Maybe if you stop spending so much money and throwing so much money on credit cards, then you wouldn't need a financial miracle. So maybe what you need is common sense thinking and some wisdom in your life and not just a miracle that God can just come and he'll, I can just do things wrong and stupid and he'll just come and make everything right. That's not how this works. You know, in Proverbs 1, Right away, it's this whole book about these wise sayings. And right in Proverbs 1, it says, wisdom stands out in the street and cries. Chris cries out. In other words, someone listen to me. Someone just use common sense. Because people had that problem apparently 4,000 years ago as well. You know, maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I just, I'm having all these physical problems. I don't know what it is. I just feel like garbage all the time. And I'm just, oh, my, just coughing and this and that. I just feel awful. I mean, I just, I just need a miraculous healing in my life. Or maybe you need to stop eating three cheeseburgers, drinking a six-pack, and smoking a carton of cigarettes a day. Maybe that's the miracle you need. Now, I'm not saying that you might not need a miracle, but first, think practically. Philip's doing this. He's trying to use wisdom. He's trying to think this through, and he's like, I, man, if we'd spend this much money, this is all that we could do. And if you've thought practically, and you've thought you've done everything you can and stuff, and you still need a miracle, that's cool, because Jesus is just smiling, because like I said, he's already got a solution for your problem before you knew you had it. So Philip's saying here, I, I don't think I, I can do this. I don't think, I don't, I don't understand how, how we can make, make this happen, which, 
oh, by the way, just remind me, when, <laughs> he's counting the cost here, right? And we all do this. We all do this. Anytime someone asks you to, to help out or to give something, to support something, the first thing we do is think, well, what's it going to cost me? And that's okay. That's good to do. But one thing about when you give, the kingdom of God doesn't work the same. When you give into the kingdom of God, it works differently than when you're just giving outside of that. You know, normally you would just say, if I said, hey, can you just give me 10 bucks? You go, okay, you hand me 10 bucks. Guess what? I now have $10, you have $10 less. That's just common sense. When you give to the kingdom of God, though, it works differently because God will bless you back. It says this, you see this in Luke 6, 38. Jesus says this, he says, give and it will be given to you. And not just, here's a 10, there's a 10. It says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. You won't even be able to contain the blessings. And he says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, you cannot outgive God. It is impossible. He will always bless you. You will always get blessed back. When you give into the kingdom of God, of your times, your talents, your finances, whatever it is, he blesses you back. So don't always just be counting the costs and keep that from the reason you don't get involved or you don't give more, or you don't support things. Because you're just sitting there thinking, well, what's it gonna cost me? What's it gonna cost me? What's it gonna take? And I, you know, my time is money. I don't have a lot of time to give. I understand that in normal scenarios, when you give to the kingdom of God, it says he blesses you back. Amen? So stop making those excuses. If you were here last week, remember you don't have to, you get to. <laughs> now, we're about to see this little boy in a story here who gave everything he had in his hands. And he put it in the hands of Jesus and he watched that he did a much bigger deal than he could have done ever on his own. So let's pick up in the story here in verse eight. So he asked Philip, how are we gonna feed all these people? He's like, I, we can't. In verse eight, it says, another of his disciples, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, well, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go with so many? Again, he's counting and, and it's like, this is impossible. Now to think of just the size of this too, uh, which I love too, how everything's just small right here, right? Because you got a small boy with a small lunch, small barley, small fish. And the fish, they say, are probably like, think like sardines. Because it was small, you know? I mean, you could say, oh, bread and fish, that could, you know, that could fill someone up. But I'm pretty, this is a small boy. I'm thinking this is his version of like a Lunchable. This is like, this, this is. You know those Lunchables? They sound like an amazing meal when you just market them. Like, how would you like to have like a couple of little personal pizzas? Nice some juice to drink with that. Maybe a nice little dessert. Ooh, that sounds good. And then you get it and you open it and it's basically like a communion wafer <laughs> with like a ketchup packet, right? A juice box that you get at least good two sips out of that thing before it's gone. And then you get about one sixteenth of like a Kit Kat bar or something, right? It's like, it's again, it sounds, it sounds really good. There's some joke, I don't remember who said the joke, but they laughed about, you know, if, if you were just to take that meal outside of Lunchable and just send it to your kid to school, people would sound like you're like malnutrition. It would sound like an awful lunch. What are you giving your kid? Ah, oh, like three, four crackers and a couple of tiny slices of meat. Like, what? Why do you hate your child so much? But kids love those. And I've got, I'm pretty sure we've got a few of them in our fridge. My kids love those things. 
So think that. He's got his little lunchable. So here there are thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. And Jesus is like, how are we going to feed these people? And they're scrambling, thinking, are you crazy? And then he's like, well, this kid's got a lunchable. Lunchable can barely probably feed that kid. And how far is this going to go? So here comes the miracle. Jesus said, well, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. And here's where it said there's about 5,000 men were there because they didn't count women and children. But, I mean, that would have put it, again, seriously, 20,000, you know, people that are hanging out there. And Jesus then, he took the loaves, he gave thanks, and then he began distributing to those who were seated. And did he just give each person one hamburger, one brat? No, it says as much as they wanted. You want more? You want more? How much you want? I don't want too much. Don't worry. Because see, when Jesus is given, when you give something to Jesus, he doesn't run out. He gives until you, how much you need? But again, our minds don't think that way. We hold on to our time. We hold on to this and that. They're like our little precious, my precious. Me's can't give anymore. I've got this. And we don't give because we think if we give it away, it's gone. And what Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. When you put it in my hands, you will have more than you need. Can you imagine him just handing it 20,000 people? As much as they wanted. So everyone got exactly what they wanted. They did. And he did the same thing with the fish. And then when everyone had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather all that's left over. It was more than enough. They couldn't even eat everything. 20-something thousand people, they couldn't even eat it. And left nothing to be wasted. So they gathered them, and they filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. There's something to learn in here. This little boy was insignificant. He was insignificant in those times. As you can see, they didn't even make the register of being counted there. And he was a young boy. He had an insignificant amount of food. Jesus saw that something needed to happen. Now, what he could have done is he could have gone Old Testament on him and just brought down manna from heaven. God had done that before. Just little, you know, cheeseburgers from heaven falling down. But he didn't do that. What did he do? He wanted to show how when you guys give. And why is he doing that? Because he's trying to teach you and I that we are now a part of this kingdom of God. And that we don't just have to sit around and wait for God to do stuff, but he wants us to get involved. But most of us, we think like this little boy, well, I can't do anything. I'm insignificant. I don't have anything to give. I don't have any more money. I don't have any more time. I got nothing. And where Jesus is just saying, what do you have? Because he can take someone who thinks they're insignificant and do amazing things with them. He can take something that seems like an insignificant small amount and turn it into so much that you're going to need a doggy bag of blessings to take home. And this boy, think about this boy. This boy gave his little Lunchable away and came back with so much more. He gave everything he had and ended up walking away with more than he had started with. This stuff works, guys. 
I know that there's probably stories all across this church of people who have given, taken a step out of faith, done something, gotten involved in something when they were convinced that they didn't have any time to do something, spoken to someone that they thought they could never talk to before, shared their faith with someone they never thought they could share their faith with. But what keeps us away is we think we're insignificant, we can't do it. Well, I don't have enough faith. Well, I couldn't talk to that person about Jesus. Man, I feel like I barely made it through saved today. You think you've got nothing. But Jesus is saying, give me the little whatever it is that you have and watch what I can do with it. And a little plug out there for the mamas. Any of you who are stuck in little mommy mode, you feel like you're just running around, (laughs) you know? trying to keep those little ones alive. You spend most of your day just with little people like you've forgotten how to talk to adults, right? You're just in there changing diapers, doing that thing. Some, you might think like, well, what I'm doing doesn't matter, but hold on. How do you think this little boy got his food? If he was like my kids, he certainly didn't think, oh, I'm leaving somewhere. I better pack myself a lunch. He was probably running out the house and she was yelling at him, where are you going? Get back in here. Here's your little lunchable. You know, sometimes as parents, we get in with the busy, and as the saying goes, the days are long and the years are short, right? And you're just doing your thing, nothing seems major, but you have no idea the impact that you're making and what God might do with that child, with your kids that you had no idea he was gonna do. Again, don't overlook the small things because Jesus loves that. He purposely saw a huge miracle and looked for what's the smallest, what's the toughest, the impossible thing. I'm gonna show you how I can use this. Verse 14, it says, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. See, when you give and Jesus gets involved, it points back to God. They saw this miracle, surely God is in this. And you can make that impact in people's lives, but you have to be just willing to just give. It's tough. It's hard. Because listen, it was only the young boy who came up. You'd think that he was the only person there with anything. You don't think there were some adults there who had some means and had a little picnic basket of quite a bit. They weren't stepping forward. They were probably being like the, the disciples here, just counting the cost. Well, there's nothing I could do but it was a little insignificant boy who said, well, so whatever it is in your life, your time, your talents, your money, be it a lunchable size as it might be, have faith that God can take what you have, do something amazing with it and bless you in return, amen? So now as we transition into our time of communion and the... uh, Ushers, get ready to hand that out. I want to heed the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So with those words in mind, would you please bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, 
If we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Now, as our heads are still bowed, if you have never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life. Maybe you're sitting here and thinking, I'm so significant, I I can, he doesn't care about me. I've messed up so bad and done so much stuff, he couldn't possibly love me. But yet he does. He saw you, he knew what you were gonna go through and that you'd be at this moment before you were ever even born. And if so, if you'd like to take that step of faith today and ask him to be Lord of your life, just in your own words here as we're getting ready with this, just ask him to forgive you of your sins and choose to follow Jesus Christ this day. Amen.